Um, in case you guys forgot about us, this is a podcast from the unknown. Wait, we do a podcast? Yeah. Forgot about us. Yes. Um, <laughs> we forgot like that we had a podcast until like about 15 minutes ago. So <laughs> no. Um, okay, so we're back. We've really missed you guys. I've missed yeah. doing this. Um, we're still over Discord though, so if it doesn't sound great, that's why. Um I think also, if you, yeah, and if you hear a squeaky chair, it's Logan or Adam, so blame them. <laughs> it's more um, likely me, so yeah, <laughs> or or a sneeze that that'd be Logan probably. <laughs> um, well, so um, what have you guys been up to since last time we recorded, which was I think beginning of June? So uh, like, you guys yeah. want to go for it? Yeah. So you guys want to share what you've been up to in the past month, month and a half? Well. I've gone back to work and I've just been doing school and that's really it. Whoop, whoop. Staying nice. Staying home for the most part. Yeah. Krista, what about you? Um, I've been working, eating a lot of good restaurant food, getting a lot of wings lately. Wings. Um, working, oh. drinking and wings. Nice. <laughs> the <What> wings. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I always like the spicy barbecue or like Asian style wings. Yeah, those are good. Those are good. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Wingstop? Ew. Uh, eh, no. We go to Atlas Tavern a lot or like pastimes. Did you say ew, Logan? Yeah. <laughs> Wingstop don't sponsor us. Um, <laughs> what about you, Adam? What have you been up to? Uh, Work and then playing video games honestly just trying to keep focused you know it's a crazy world so i'm just trying to find yeah it is reality and it's been doing a good job it's crazy yeah i think logan probably has the biggest thing to share of all that he's been up to yeah i i quit my nursing like a job and now i work at Amazon delivering packages that's that's not the the big thing you're getting married He's no, getting married. Not, not oh, He's expecting um, a baby. He's carrying it. No He's way. Pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Logan. Uh, yeah, I graduated from nursing school. Um, there you go. Yeah. Congratulations. Long time coming, but you know, had to get it done. We're proud nurse, of you, Logan. Yeah. Nurse Logan to the rescue. Yeah. Oh, and you're pregnant, so like you'll be already in the hospital. You can deliver your own baby. I know. Just give myself a C-section. You'd be so cute, pregnant, Logan. Oh, your little belly. Okay, this is this is getting really weird. Um, Um, so we are down, Allie. She got her wisdom teeth taken out, so she is not joining us for this time. But she'll be back next time. Yes, speedy recovery. She will. Yes. Okay, so. Um, so Jules and I decided to go. It was going to be Adam and Allie, which I think is the last thing we told you guys was that they were going to go. So that has been delayed just a little bit longer until Allie gets better. Um, so Jules and I kind of picked some last-minute topics, but they won't feel last-minute because they're both really good. And um, our research is really good. Jules has eight pages. <laughs> so. so we're going to let her start. It's going to be a long night. Oh my god! I didn't just like strap in. Everybody got something to drink. We're gonna be here a minute, so get some snacks. 
I will like probably not read half of this because I'll get so stressed out and scared and nervous that oh I'll just skip God, over half of it and it won't even <laughs> oh feel like eight pages. It'll be more like two. So all right, that's I'm ex- <laughs> I'm all right. Cool, I'm excited then. Um, so yeah, ready when you are. Okay. So um, this week, Amber and I did um, serial killers. And surprise. Um, surprise. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> um, but they are. Um, so mine is really well known. They're both prop. They're both actually really well known. Um, but mine. Um, I did the Zodiac killer. Ooh. So I know that Krista's shaking her head. I know she knows that one for sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, so basically I'm just gonna kind of go into it. Cause I, I did write down like the five main cases. Um, so I'm going to talk a lot about their, like what happened with that and stuff. Um, and actually I just watched a Buzzfeed Unsolved about it. So it was really great. Um, oh, Buzzfeed but, Unsolved is so good. If you guys haven't watched it, it's fine. Yeah, like, can you always believe them? Buzzfeed. Well, Buzzfeed yes. Unsolved is like a TV show that it's like on. Um, you could, I think it's on Hulu, um, and they talk about like unsolved murder cases. So that's that is oh, okay. legit. Yeah. My um, question would be: okay. Has is it? Is your story going to be kind of relevant to the movie? Because I've seen the movie, but I don't really know a lot about the background behind it. So, um, I've never seen the movie, but the movie is based off of his killings. Okay. So yeah. Um, okay, so I'm just going to get into it. Basically, in um, 19, from 1968 to 1969, um, the Zodiac Killer is um, connected to five murders, two attempted murders, um, but it came out in, like, the 1970s that he actually killed about 37 people. Oh. Um, they just don't have, like, proof of those 37 killings. Um, so... Uh, his, he was a self, he self named himself the Zodiac Killer. That was like a name that he gave himself in letters, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, but all throughout his like murder spree, he sent letters to like newspaper places, like news stations, stuff like that. Um, basically, that were in uh, like ciphers or like codes that they had to like decrypt. Um, in the first few letters that he sent out, um, they weren't like police and FBI agents weren't able to like decipher. It was actually a high school teacher and his wife that um, cracked like the code of what it was because he used um, like so many different um, like symbols for the 26 alphabet letters. So he used like way more symbols than he did then there was letters. So they had to like figure out like what, a, what the, these letters were saying and basically crack the code. Right. Um, so he, um, the first killer or the first murder was December 20th of 1968. And it was high school students, Betty Lou Jensen, which is like such a cool name in my opinion. And, um, Betty <laughs> and David Faraday went out on their first date and promised their parents that they'd be home by 11 p.m. Shortly after 11, a motorist spotted the Rambler that they left the house in at with the two in it at a place called Lover's Lane along Lake Herman Road in Benicia, California. I'm probably not saying that right, but it's B-N-I-C-I-A, California. 
Um, which is, these are all in Northern California areas. Um, so they were spotted along Lake Herman Road. A few minutes later, another motorist saw the two of them laying lifelessly along the side of the road. So within a matter of minutes. Um, when police got to the scene, Betty Lou was pronounced dead with five um, gunshot wounds um, in her back. And David was discovered close to the car with a gunshot wound to his head. He was still alive, but very close to dying. Bullet holes were in the car roof in the back window that indicated that the killer probably fired warning shots to force the victim out of the car before actually getting them out. And ballistic evidence showed that the killer used a 22 caliber semi-automatic pistol. Um, and after like investigating these two police just believed that it was just a random killing. Like there was no like intention of like, you know, it being high school students or a boy and a girl at lover's lane. It didn't matter. It was just random. So, um, fast forward a few months to July 4th, 1969, a girl named Darlene Farron was a waitress at a Vallejo restaurant. Farron was picking up her friend, Michael, McGill and stopped her car in a parking lot at the Blue Rock Springs Resort. Michael later told police that around 12 a.m. another car pulled in the parking lot, turned around, and then returned a few minutes later. When the car returned, the driver got out of the car, shined a bright light, and fired a 9mm handgun into the car. Michael was shot in the jaw, shoulder, and leg, while Darlene was shot several times and died, like, on her way to the hospital, I believe. Um... At 12.40 a.m., a call was placed from a gas station payphone and was made to the police department, and the person that called said, and I quote, I want to report a murder. If you got go one mile east on Columbus Parkway, you will find kids in a brown car. I, they were shot with a 9-millimeter Luger. Ruger? Uh, it's, it's L-U-G-E-R, Luger. I'm not familiar with guns, so I'm not sure. But I know it was a nine millimeter. I know what that means. Right. <laughs> um, I also killed those kill those kids last year. Goodbye. And he hung up the phone. Oh. Um and a few days later, um, is when he first started sending out his letters. So the first letter was sent to the this was through the first three were sent July thirty first, nineteen sixty nine. Um, the first one was sent to the Vallejo Times Herald. The writer claimed responsibility for the two shootings and provided details about the victims, weapons, number of shots fired, and the ammunition that was used in each gun. Um, the second letter was to the San Francisco Chronicle that said, um, or no, it was one of three virtually identical letters accompanied by one third of a cipher. The writer demanded publication of the letters and ciphers by Friday, August 1st. Um, and then the third letter was sent to the San Francisco examiner and this letter had threats to kill again if the newspapers didn't publish the ciphers and it had words in it. Like I like killing because it's fun. So, um, the fourth letter was then sent August 4th of 1969 again to the San Francisco examiner it was three pages and a response to the police asking for proof that the writer was the killer and it was the first use of the name the Zodiac. So that's when he named himself that. Um, a few months later, 
September 27, 1969, college students Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were relaxing at Lake Berryessa, 30 miles north of Napa, California. A man showed up wearing a hooded outfit with a white crossed circle stitched on the chest, um, which later you find out was actually the symbol that the Zodiac gave himself. So it was like, it's basically like a circle with a line through it. That's yeah, I feel like, like I've seen like it. His, like his yeah. calling card in a sense. Yeah, basically. He used it, he uses it like on his um, like letters that he sends and like when he like marks things or what he wears when he kills, he'll, he like uses that and where is it basically um so he shows up at this lake and he goes up to um the two college students and he tells them that he needs money and a cell phone or no money and a car i'm sorry cell phone who am i it's fucking 1969 (laughs) um i was like hold on a minute what was the year i don't know why i said cell phone um he needs money and a car to escape to Mexico because he just escaped from prison. Okay, but why is it like always Mexico? I don't know. They're like, I'm gonna go to my, I'm gonna go, like escape to Mexico. <laughs> I know it's fucking weird. Um, Pick a new place. Everybody's going there. I'm going all to the cr- all the criminals are heading to Mexico. Okay, pick a different place. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like they say Mexico because then you're more connected to South America and those kind of places. Whereas you go north, you're not connected. But well, you're just connected to Canada. Well, and US you have to think can't go across Mexican border. Yeah, and you have to think he's in California. Yeah, it's, right. It's, so it's just like it's like yeah. a skip. It's like a skip away. <laughs> yeah. So um, he basically then bound their wrists with pre-cut clothesline. And before, like, either one of the college students knew what was happening, he pulled out a large knife and stabbed Brian in the back six times and stabbed Cecilia ten times. Wait a minute. Before they knew what was happening. Like, before, like, he, they didn't know that he was going to, like, kill him or kill them. What did they think was, they were like, oh, he's, so, he's tying up our wrists. I don't know. He just wants to oh, shit's about to get really kinky. I think, and- I think, no, I think what they thought was going to happen was that it was just going to be like a robbery. Like they were going to get tied up. He was going to take oh, them gotcha. and leave them alone. And yeah. instead he like pulled out this large knife and started stabbing them, which mm-hmm. like you obviously, I mean, he didn't like fucking hold it to them before. Um, yeah, that makes sense. He then, after he stabbed them, he then walked over to their car and in pen drew his calling card, so the circle with the line, and um, he drew or wrote all the dates and locations of previous attacks, the date September 27th, 69, 6.30, and by knife on the car. So he basically wrote down, like, every murder that he's done on this car, and that was considered his sixth letter to the police. Okay. Um. So at 7.40, he went to, he drove back to Napa, because keep in mind, this was 30 miles north of Napa, drives back to Napa. By 7.40, he gets there and from a payphone calls the police to report a double murder. He described Brian's car and directed them to the scene and then said, and I quote, I'm the one who did it before hanging up. And the so police, he, he really, really wanted, att- I mean, he really wanted attention for these yeah. killings. Like he yeah. wanted it to be known that it was him. Yes, like 100%. So um, the California Department of Justice documents um, went and they kind of like um, compared the handwriting of the letters to the handwriting that's on the car. And they concluded that it was the Zodiac Killer that did it because the handwritings matched. Um, And then in October, October 11th, 1969, Paul Stein, which this one is like, this is 
this one's fucking mind-blowing to me. Paul Stein, a 28-year-old student and taxi driver, picked up a person headed for Presidio Heights, which is like, um, from all the articles that I read, it's like more of like a high-end neighborhood. It's like a rich neighborhood, yeah. yeah. Um, so he picked him up. He said that he was going there. And at the intersection of Washington and Cherry Street, the passenger of the car shot Paul in the head and removed a piece of his shirt. Um, the man then got out of the car and walked away right before police came. Police drove past him because on the radio broadcast, they mistakenly described the, shoot- the shooter as being an African-American rather than a white male. So even though this guy perfectly matched the every description in every other way, he was misidentified and police literally stopped him, asked him if he had seen anything suspicious. He said no, and they kept they let him go. They could have They were like, him. Oh, it couldn't be this white guy. <laughs> they literally could it have would never be him. this white guy. <laughs> um, so fingerprints were claimed to have been found on the driver's side of the cab. And this was the first sketch, which um, we'll probably use for, like, the picture um, to, like, promote promote it or whatever. Um, but it was the first sketch ever made of what he looked like um, based off of, like, eyewitness, uh, like, testimonies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a letter that he later sent to the police, he said that he would have never left fingerprints. Like, he was too smart for that. So they basically, like, told him he that they were, like, false or whatever. Um the police ruled the case as a routine robbery at first until the San Francisco Chronicle got an envelope from the Zodiac with a letter that started with, and I quote, I am the murderer of the taxi driver and contained a piece of the blood-stained shirt that he cut off of this guy's body. Um, and that, was, that letter was postmarked October 13th, so just two days after he killed him. And he, in that letter, also mocked police for not catching him and threatened to shoot children on a school bus, like, as his next victims, by shooting out the tire because he said, um, he said that he will pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out of the school bus in his letter to them, which is just really disgusting. Um... Letter 7 was sent to the Chronicle again on November 8th of 1969, and it had another piece of Paul's shirt in it, and a funny greeting card, and a 340-symbol cipher, and the Zodiac added in um, deaths, July, August, September, October equals 7, which um, police think referenced unidentified victims of, like, more killings that he did. So, but they have no idea because there's no bodies or anything. Um, letter eight was the seven page letter to the Chronicle on November 9th. And it claimed that the police stopped him near a crime scene, but let him go and included was a picture of, or was, um, a bomb recipe and a diagram of it. And that was what he was going to use to blow up a bus, a school bus, basically. Um, he has like a weird fascination with like students or people that are going to school for education. It just seems like there's not a lot of reasoning behind it yeah i noticed that a lot um that it was like every single every single one of the first five victims or like the five victims that like he was like actually attached to 
um, they were all like students, high school students, college students, like, and some of them were like married. And a lot of them were just like, they were all in cars. Yeah. If I remember in the movie, like, I think one of the scenes that you were talking about where they're at like the lake, it just seems like there's a lot of couples that are kind of like enjoying their youth and he almost like wants to deprive them of it. Yeah. Well, at first, like, cause the first one they were at lover's lane. So my first thought was, okay, maybe he's like, he doesn't like for people to have like romantic connections with each other or something like that. Cause I thought it was like weird that it was like specifically at lover's lane. Um, but then it was just like, he singled out anybody, but he never actually murdered children. Like he never went, followed through with that. That was just like a threat, basically like. It was just showing power. Yeah. It was like taunting the police. Um, so he actually sent, sent out like more than, or kind of around about like two dozen letters, um, to police and like newspaper places and the Chronicles. And, um, his last letter was actually written in 1974. Really? What? Yeah. And then that, wow. so he stopped killing in 1969. That was his last kill um, that they can connect him to. Um, but his letters kept going for I'm years cu- after that. I'm really curious about, because you said that, what, he was tied to 30 some odd killings? He, in his very last letter, stated that he had killed 37 people. Where are so, the bodies, and why was like none of that like ever documented or like? I don't know. Well, the so I got all of my stuff um from like history dot com, and they have like a couple other cases that could have potentially been him based off of like guns that were used or like the way that he did things. Um, there was probably they probably listed like three or four cases, but I wanted to stick with the main like five that he was actually connected to, like actually admitted to doing. Um, but it's, his, like, killings are so, like, random in terms of, like, the weapons that he uses. Like, he used, like, two different kinds of guns, knives, like, it just, it was kind of, like, whatever he felt like using in that moment, like, that's what he was going to do. So there is no, I don't know. Well, I mean, it also, it also makes it harder to catch somebody who doesn't have a pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he loved, like, he wanted attention he wanted the world to like know who he was and the problem is is that it's still unsolved they have no idea who did it no clue um but there are if it's like a it's weird to say almost like a cult of people doing it instead of just one individual well yeah i don't know like there's been copycats and like people that are trying to like do the things that he was doing Mm -hmm. But all of the letters were in his handwriting and he like everything he would call like when he would call the police, it would always be from a payphone, always. And he like told on him like he basically was like, I just did this. You should go look. It's going to be this is how it's going to be laid out. This is where the bodies are. This is what I did to them. Um, but there are three main suspects. Um, and in my opinion, they all like it could easily have been all three of them. So the first one was Arthur Lee Allen. Um, he told his family that he was going to go to Lake Berryessa the day that Cecilia Shepard and Brian Hartnell were attacked, which is that that's where they were attacked at. Um, he later came home with blood on him and he was holding a knife. He also went to jail in 1974 <laughs> for child porn, um, which is also the same year that the letters stopped happening. But when he was, um, I believe they said when he was in court, 
his DNA didn't match any of the DNA on anything else. So he was ruled out, like, because DNA didn't match. He was just, it was no more. No bueno for him. Um, the second victim, or not victim, the second suspect was Earl Van Best Jr. He looked very similar, um, like eerily similar to the sketch that was made. And the number of letters in his name matches the same number of letters that was used um, to say, like, who it was in one of the ciphers and one of the letters that he wrote. Um, the third person was Lawrence K. He lived in the area in which every single one of the victims either lived or died. And Darlene Farron's sister said that he was stalking her a few weeks prior or a few weeks before she, um, Darlene was murdered. And the cop that saw the Zodiac killer after Paul Stein's murder said that Lawrence looked the most similar to the man that he saw. So they all three have the guy they let go. Yeah, the guy they let the guy they were like, "Did you see anything, buddy?" And the guy was like, "No." And then they They like, "Have a good night. Sorry to bother you. (laughs) Go about your biz, okay? What's that knife you're holding? Oh, nothing suspicious. Go ahead. You you have blood on your shoes. Okay, bye. Um. So yeah, that's those were the three main, and obviously they don't have enough. They didn't have enough proof for any of them. Although, I think it could have easily been. I mean, the first guy, like, I mean, he came home with a knife, was covered in blood. First yeah. of all, he got busted for child porn, so lock that fucker up for life anyway. Yeah. But also, like, he came home with a knife and blood on him. The fuck was he out doing if that wasn't what he was out doing? Right, right. But his, you know? I, no, because his DNA didn't match DNA that was found on the scenes it was yeah not you can't be interesting uh he just killed someone else that night yeah it was just someone else (laughs) um but Uh, yeah and the the thing is is that what's so crazy to me is that i so the first website i looked on um was like the fbi archives because i love fucking looking at that website but um Oh my god, yeah, it's great. Do you have it bookmarked? I don't. I don't like <laughs> when I started searching, I was like, Zodiac Killer, FBI. Um, but apparently the FBI was not this was not like in their jurisdiction. Like it wasn't like I don't know like what that means if it's not like big enough or like whatever. Um so usually people- has to to cross like uh state lines. So yeah, like if you were to go to like Wyoming or something. Yeah, he just stayed in California, so Okay. They yeah, were like, so nah. it, it wasn't in their jurisdiction, but they like obviously assisted with the law enforcement that was used to like help with everything and um they were the ones that the like tried to decipher the letterings and stuff like that, but I just think it's I think it's crazy that a teacher solved that shit. Like shout out to teachers for real. Mm-hmm. They figured out his code before that. Oh, you, so you did this one because of the teacher solved it. No, I actually I didn't oh, know that until the I didn't know that until the last website that I looked at, and then it said that they like because um after the first few letters, the police like um like were asking the public for help with like figuring it out, and they saw it and they figured it out. I mean, that this guy used. 50 shapes and um, symbols to represent the letters. So, so almost like he made his own like alphabet. Yeah. So uh, is, is like the, is this code like a real code that people use in real life or did he just make it up? 
from what I read, he just, he made it up. Like, it was just his own, like, way of fucking with everybody. Mm, okay, so, like, one... I mean, I would have to see it, but, like, so would one character be uh, one whole word, or, like... No, it's, like, a one character equals one letter. So you basically okay. are figuring out, like, oh, this smiley face represents the an R, and he put an equal okay. sign next to that smiley face, and that must be, like, a... I don't fucking know. Oh. Something like that. I'm, I don't know what okay. word I'm trying to spell, but that, that type of thing. Like, one character equals one letter, from what I could understand. Hey, um, that means that if... If the teachers solved it, that means they had too much time on their hand. They could have been, you know, teaching the students. Excuse you. <laughs> Maybe kids the students helped. Who yeah, knows? Know. <laughs> All right, kids. Project time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What's this, this letter mean? This. Yeah. <laughs> what does this look like to you? All right. All right. Um, but yeah, so he's, the. they still have no idea who the fuck it is. And well, the internet claimed a few years ago it was Ted Cruz. Yeah, I saw that, like, as one of the people, and I just was, it didn't give much detail. It was just, like, some people believe it was Ted Cruz. And I it was, was like, just, okay. like, a meme, I think. No, nope. um, The website that I was on was, like, it's a, it could be. It's a possibility. That's what No, I don't think he was even old enough to, like, I think he was, like, no. a child at that point, wasn't he? How um, old was the killer when he started? Yeah, I don't know. They don't know who it is. So I have no idea. I mean, hell, for all we know, it could be like a teenager, but it seems like too elaborate for a teenager to do something like that. I think, if I remember from what I saw on BuzzFeed, it he was described as being like in his 20s or 30s. But don't like quote me on that because I'm not 100% sure. Too late. I already, I already did. It. Yep. <laughs> I, I just tweeted it. Okay. Um, all right. So, you know, there are some survivors do other the survivors still alive today and like they still tell their stories uh I, I don't know if they're still alive um yeah. but there was only two two people that survived all of the attacks and i mean you one of them got shot in the face so i I'm assume not they sure, go like, into like i mean he got shot like in his jaw yeah. yeah yeah they probably would adam because he could be pissed that they didn't die and try and I mean, find him to finish the job. Well, for all we know, think... this dude might have stalked people and been like, he picked his victims out of a reason versus just like abruptly just, oh, these two people, you know, there had to be yeah. a line to it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you have to think like every time he called the police, he would say, oh, it's a double murder. I mm-hmm. like, I killed these two people. Like, so it's like, he thought genuinely in his head that these people died and not all of them did. Like, two of them yeah. actually survived his fucking brutal attacks. I mean, to just, like, open fire on a car and just whoever gets hit gets hit. Doesn't matter where they get hit at, how many times they get hit. Like, I don't know. Or to, you know, That's get up. into a taxi cab and, like, you know, shoot somebody seems kind of mm-hmm. fucked up, too. And yeah, and especially, like, from that close range, like, mm-hmm. and, and you're broad in the daylight. And, like, yeah. the thing that I don't make sense was, like, would he pick up shell casings? Because there would have to be something along the lines that would track back like a fingerprint. Unless like fingerprint databases like weren't really effective back in like the time that he was doing it. That's a Krista question. Krista? Because <laughs> obviously like ballistic tests would test the shell casings. But if there was no shell casings, couldn't they test the like 
actual bullet itself. Well, there was a fingerprint that was left, and they said that it could be the Zodiac Killer's. But then he sent that letter and was like, I would never leave a fingerprint behind. Yeah, oh, but like, we some, you. right. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, with those things, sometimes with those things, though, like that fingerprint could have been from like a manufacturer. Like, well, it's, it's not it's, always like gonna leave. Yeah. Yeah. So there would have been multiple fingerprints, but like at some point, he must have been going through and picking up shell casings. Ouch. Uh, no, he, he left all his shell casings that's how they they knew like what um type of bullet was even used like the first shooting um he left all the shell casings and the police were able to like figure out what kind of weapon was used based off of that and like the brand of the shells that was used and then when he sent his first letter and he like described like in detail like what ammo was used he described that ammo like perfectly wow All right. Yeah. I told you, eight pages, it goes really, I write really big, so it's fine. Yeah, but the thing <laughs> is that, the thing is that, like, if somebody were to try to do that in today's time, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work out as well. Like a copycat, you know, with oh, so no. much technology and stuff like that nowadays, that somebody trying to copycat now isn't going to get away with it as easily. Yeah. Yeah. No, they wouldn't. Yeah. Oh, I um, I use I've used history dot com. Sorry, I had to say that. Amber, don't shake your head. So <laughs> I didn't like say it at the beginning. <laughs> you already you said it like in the middle. Did I? Oh, oh well. yeah. Well, thanks. So Anything? What did you say? I was just gonna say like the fingerprint casing thing would be like. So I Googled it and it said when a gunman loads a cartridge into their gun, tiny quantities of salty sweat from their fingers are transferred onto it, recording an impression of the fingerprint, but firing the gun rapidly heats the casing, vaporizing the water. There you so go. I don't know if there would ever really be a way to trace it through a shell casing. Yeah. Well, but you would think, I mean, like, it's weird that he didn't leave anything like a footprint or, like, I mean, he was, he left the one, like, on the side of the road, like, if you drive, there's always, like, a little dirt patch before you get to, like, the grass or whatever. Like, wouldn't you have, like, a footprint in there or something? Like, I don't know. It's just weird that he didn't leave, like, any Maybe he's like, a ghost. DNA evidence at all. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Nope. Good job. Isn't that one of your, job, one of your favorites, isn't it? Oh uh, yeah, the Zodiac Killer is one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. I knew it. There's a there's a couple. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Not in like a weird way, but yeah. I mean it's just it's fascinating like how somebody can first of all get away with if he really did kill thirty seven people, like that's fucking insane that he got away with that many. He must have been studying for a very long time about, you know, how can I cover my prints but still be noticeable in a sense but he wanted like the world to know who he was like he was like if you don't post my notes to everybody for everyone to see i'm gonna go kill more people like it's just it's insane and it's very fascinating very yeah well a, a lot of times they just want people like that just want attention to go out of your way to like make your own alphabet and 
you know, to send these letters to like the press and stuff. You just want attention. Yeah. You want to be noticed. You want to like cause pandemonium and yeah, he wanted to be a podcast topic in the future. Yeah. He wanted For to sure. cause, cause panic. What was that one um that we just watched about the guy who like well, maybe not. Never mind. Forget it. Didn't he the like cat killer? Them? No, he like would like call people or like he also sent letters because he wanted oh no 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 it was the episode that we just watched today where the guy made them all listen to jazz music who was that the, oh because that's the not axe, terrifying the axe man the axe man yeah he like wrote this like letter and was like if you all aren't listening to jazz music on this day in this place i will come and kill and like they it made the whole fucking town panic and they all listen to jazz music at like 12 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Sounds like a fun town to live in, though. I mean, jazz music's always kind of a snazzy. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Yeah. What, is, what a strange request. <laughs> if you don't have jazz music on, I'll know that I'll come and kill you. I'm going to go walk the streets. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. And that's good job, Jules. I do. I, I've always thought that that one was a very interesting topic. Yes. to do good job thanks guys. good job buddy good good job on that eight Pat pages of back. research that you yeah. did it's my handwriting is so big it's not even like it was true like, don't sell yourself short <laughs> oh boy don't worry guys it's probably like three pages if it was uh, <laughs> boy and your chicken scratch yeah it probably would be <laughs> imagine if i wrote down the other like five potential cases we'd still be oh, here boy. for another like yeah. two minutes I'd I'm be cool slow. Two minutes. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, are you ready for mine? Yeah. Don't think that you guys have probably heard of him. Um, Jules First acted like he was like super well known, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that because he's not your typical. Um, it's not your typical serial killer. Um, some would even say that he's not even a serial killer. Um, his name is uh, Jack of Workian. Any of you guys ever heard of him? No. Nope. I knew Krista would. You have? <laughs> but I was just I was just hoping that you're not taking my favorite serial killer. Well, what do you so what do you know about Jack of and Krista? Oh god, nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll just I'll get into it then. All right. So he um was accepted into the University of Michigan, uh, College of Engineering. He had aims to become a civil engineer, but halfway through his freshman year, he decided that he was bored and uh, began focusing on botany and biology. Um, by mid-year, though, he had set his sights on medical school, taking 20 credit hours in a semester in order to meet the 90-hour medical school requirement. He graduated in medicine. Logan. Yeah, Logie. <laughs> oh, boy. You, buddy. <laughs> is this a solved case, or is Logan the... You know, it, is, it is solved. So Logan's <laughs> off the hook this time. Thank God. Um, he graduated in medicine at the University of Michigan in 1952 and began a specialty in pathology soon afterwards. But in 1953, the Korean War um, kind of put a pause on his career um, and he served 15 months as an army medical officer in Korea and then finished out his service in Colorado. Um, while serving his residency at the University of Michigan Hospital in the 1950s, Kevorkian became fascinated by death and the act of dying. 
He made regular visits to terminally ill patients, photographing their eyes in an attempt to pinpoint the exact moment of death. Um, he believed that doctors could use this information to distinguish death from fainting, shock, or coma in order to learn when resuscitation was useless. Um, he said, he told reporters later on, really my number one reason was because it was interesting. And my second reason was because it was a taboo subject. So basically um, at the beginning of his career, he became obsessed with dying and like your last moments before death. And um, just like death just became like his obsession really. Um, Gavorkian again caused a stir with colleagues by proposing that death row prison inmates be used as the subjects of medical experiments while they were still alive. Inspired by research that described medical experiments the ancient Greeks conducted on Egyptian criminals, he formulated the idea that similar modern experiments could not only save valuable research dollars, but also provide a glimpse into the anatomy of the criminal mind. In 1958, he advocated his view in a paper presented to the American Association for the Advancement of Science. In a method he called terminal human experimentation, he argued that condemned convicts could provide a service to humanity before their execution by volunteering for painless medical experiments that would begin while they were conscious, but would end in fatality. So it wouldn't hurt them, but they would die. Huh. Um, for his unorthodox experiments and strange proposals, his peers gave him the nickname Dr. Death. Kevorkian's controversial, um, or controversial, oh my God, controversial views earned him minor media attention, which ultimately resulted in his ejection from the University of Michigan Medical Center. So he started to get a little bit of attention, um, which people were like, the fuck's wrong with this dude? And he got fired. He got let go. He continued his internship at Pontiac General Hospital instead, where he began another set of controversial experiments. After hearing about a Russian medical team who was transfusing blood from corpses into living patients, Kevorkian enlisted the help of medical technologist Neil Nickel to simulate these same experiments. After qualifying as a specialist in 1960, um, Kevorkian bounced around the country from hospital to hospital, publishing more than 30 professional journal, journal articles and booklets about his philosophy on death before setting up his own clinic near Detroit, Michigan. The business ultimately failed, and Kevorkian headed to California to commute between two part-time pathology jobs in Long Beach. These jobs also ended quickly when Kevorkian quit in another dispute with the chief pathologist. Jack claimed that his career was doomed by physicians who feared his radical ideas. So at this point, he's been in and out of like multiple different places because everybody's like, you're fucking crazy. And he yeah. wanted to do a lot of like very out there, like just weird things like putting the blood of a corpse into a living person. Um, so yeah, but he blamed them. It was on them, not him. Um, Skavorkian retired after this to devote his time to a film project about Handel's Messiah, as well as research for his reinvigorated death row campaign. So he was back on that again. Um, but by 1982, he was living alone, occasionally sleeping in his car, living off of canned food and social security. So his life kind of went it off fell the Fell apart. Yeah, basically. 
1985, he returned to Michigan to write a comprehensive history of experiments on executed hum humans. I almost said humans. Humans. <laughs> human, um, which was published in the obscure Journal of the National Medical Association after more prestigious journals rejected it. In 1986, Kevorkian discovered a way to expand his death row proposal when he learned that doctors in the Netherlands were helping people die by lethal injection. His new crusade for assisted suicide or euthanasia became an extension of his campaign for medical experiments on the dying. Kevorkian began writing new articles, this time about the benefits of euthanasia. He followed up his papers with the creation of a suicide machine he called the Thanatron, which is Greek for instrument of death, which he assembled out of $45 worth of materials. The Thanatron Sounds consisted of three bottles that deliver successive doses of fluids, first a saline solution, followed by a painkiller, and finally a fatal dose of the poison potassium chloride. Using Kevorkian's design, patients who were ill could even administer the lethal dose of poison themselves. After years of rejection from national medical journals and media outlets, Kevorkian would finally become the focus of national attention for his machine and his proposal to set up a franchise of obitoriums where doctors could help the terminally ill end their lives. So, so basically like commit suicide. Yeah, like, oh hey, come on in, we'll help you kill yourself. Which I guess um I should have I should have put in a little trigger warning at the beginning. Um, cause it is going to kind of get into a potentially triggering, um, subject matter for people that have, um, I guess suffered from suicidal thoughts or know somebody that has committed suicide. So I just want to put in a trigger warning right now. If it's something that could potentially trigger you or somebody else listening, I would not continue, um, to listen to it, but I'm sorry. I should have put that in the beginning. We can always um, put it in the description yeah. too yeah that's true that's true okay so yeah um jack of would become famous in 1990 when he assisted in the suicide of janet adkins a 54 year old alzheimer's patient from michigan adkins was a member of the hemlock society an organization that advocates voluntary euthanasia for terminally ill patients before she became ill herself after she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, Adkins began searching for someone to end her life before the degenerative disease took full effect. She had heard through the media about Kevorkian's invention of a suicide machine and contacted Kevorkian about using the invention on her. Kevorkian agreed to assist her in a public park inside his Volkswagen van. Kevorkian attached the IV and Adkins administered her own painkiller and then the poison. Within five minutes, Adkins died of heart failure. When the news hit media outlets, Kevorkian became a national celebrity and criminal. The state of Michigan immediately charged Kevorkian with Adkins' murder. The case was later dismissed, however, due to Michigan's indecisive stance on assisted suicide. So at this point, he got in trouble. He got arrested because he helped her kill herself, but then was let go because Michigan was like, I don't know if that's a bad thing to help somebody kill themselves. Because yeah. he didn't technically do it himself, you know? Um, so, yeah, he was let go. In early 1991, a Michigan judge issued an injunction barring Kevorkian's use of the suicide machine. That same year, Michigan suspended Jack Kevorkian's medical license, but this didn't stop the doctor from continuing to assist with suicides. 
unable to gather the medications needed to use the Thanatron, Kevorkian assembled a new machine called the Mercitron, which delivered carbon monoxide through a gas mask. The following year, the Michigan legislature passed a bill outlawing assisted suicide, designed specifically to stop Kevorkian's assisted suicide campaign. So Michigan made a bill, passed it, just to stop this guy because they couldn't arrest him because technically he wasn't murdering anybody. He was just giving them the tools to do it themselves. So um, as a result of that, he was jailed twice that year, but was bailed out by his lawyer who helped Kevorkian escape conviction by successfully arguing that a person may not be found guilty of criminally assisting a suicide if they administered medication with the intent to relieve pain and suffering, even if it did increase the risk of death. Yeah, but, um, the carbon monoxide, that's not like, that's just like, that's that just you know you're going to die. Like, carbon still, monoxide is supposed to kill you. But the, the thing about it is, like, it's so slow and painful that you're just going to suffocate, whereas the other one was just more quick and easy. So yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, and they were also administered a pain, a, like a pain reliever, too, so that when the poison went in their bodies, they wouldn't feel the effects of it. Yeah. It was, it was, it was basically painless. Whereas the carbon monoxide is. Yeah. It's just I suffering. Just, You're, suffering. You're suffering. Yeah. I feel like how can you, with, with the carbon monoxide, how can you say that you're not like, that he wasn't like, he was doing it to like relieve pain for them when that's such a cruel way to go. Yeah, exactly. But because they were consenting to it and because they were terminally ill anyway, they argued that it was a mercy killing, basically, kind of. Did they know how, like, did they, like, were they, like, this is how I want you to do it? Or did he just, like, decide for them, like, oh, it's going to be carbon monoxide or, oh, it's going to be this way? Like, No, because at this point, the reason why he was using carbon monoxide was because they took away his medical license. So he yeah. was no longer yeah, a doctor. He didn't have access to those drugs anymore. That's true. So now these people only have, if they're seeking him out, they only have the option for the carbon monoxide. That's now. true. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, Kevorkian was prosecuted a total of four times in Michigan for assisted suicides. He was acquitted in three of the cases and a mistrial was declared in the fourth. Kevorkian was disappointed, telling reporters that he wanted to be imprisoned in order to shed light on the hypocrisy and corruption of society. So he wanted to go to jail because he wanted to prove that they were hypocrites. In his mind, they were, this is what he was doing was honorable. It was a good thing. And he yeah. wanted to prove by them throwing him in jail and taking that option away from these people that it was on them, that they were corrupt and they were hypocrites. Um, so in 1998, the Michigan legislator enacted a law making assisted suicide a felony punishable by a maximum five years prison sentence or a $10,000 fine. They closed the loophole that allowed for Kevorkian's previous, acquittal, previous acquittals, yet Kevorkian continued to assist patients. Meanwhile, the courts continued to pursue Kevorkian on criminal charges. So while the court and, you know, they're, tr they're trying their absolute best to get this guy and keep him where he's at to stop these assisted suicides, he's out there still doing them. Like they're working behind closed doors to stop him and he's out there continuing to do it. Um, not one to stand down from a challenge, though, Kevorkian pursued his crusade with even greater passion in 1998. 
That year, he allowed the CBS television news program, 60 Minutes, to air a tape he'd made of the lethal injection of Thomas Yoke, I believe. Sorry if that's wrong. It's Y-O-U-K. Yoke? Yoke, maybe? Uh, Yoke suffered from Lou Gehrig's disease and had requested Kevorkian's help. On the recording, Kevorkian helped administer the drugs for his patient. Following the broadcast footage, Kevorkian spoke to 60, minute report, 60 Minutes reporters and dared the courts to pursue him legally. Prosecutors took notice, this time bringing a second-degree murder charge against Kevorkian. Kevorkian also decided to serve as his own legal counsel. So he was representing himself, I guess, in court. On March 26, 1999, a jury in Oakland County convicted Jack Kevorkian of second-degree murder and the illegal delivery of a controlled substance. That April, he was sentenced to 25 years in prison with the possibility of parole. During the next three years, Kevorkian attempted to pursue the conviction in appeals court. His request was refused. Lawyers representing Kevorkian sought to bring the case to the U.S. Supreme Court, but that request was also declined. On June 1st, 2007, after serving a little more than eight years of a sentence, Kevorkian was released from prison on good behavior. The former doctor also promised not to assist in any more suicides. On March 12th, 2008, Kevorkian announced plans to run as an independent candidate for a seat in U.S. Congress representing Michigan. Though he didn't win the election, he did earn 2.6% of the vote. On June 3rd, 2011, at the age of 83, Jack Kevorkian died at Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oak, Michigan. By the end of his life, he had helped end the lives of 130 people. Sounded like he benefited off of just government loopholes, in a sense. Basically, yeah. Um, I, they got him in the end, eventually. Um Obviously, he went to jail, was in there for, supposed to be in there for 25 years, ended up only being in there for um, a little over eight, but they eventually stopped him. That 130 people could have easily been doubled by in those eight and a half years had they not thrown him in jail, finally. Um, but yeah, to let him out on good behavior, you know, and the promise that he's not going to do it. Well, by now he's in his 80s or, or uh, 70s, I guess, at this point. So it would be hard for him, probably. I mean, he's old, he's older, you know, like. And I mean, how he already helped 130 people. So, you know. So but, what did he do with, like, the bodies? Was it, like, what he would do if he, like, worked at a hospital or, like. Um, yeah. That I don't the know. Are, like, their, their bodies are, like, um, he, he, he doesn't do any of that. He just, like, it's kind of, like, what the patients want to do was it afterwards like in their will or what the yeah. kids or family wants to do with the body afterwards yeah I'm assuming it would be um they would tell him what to do or yeah. um it was up it was up to them I think to decide probably yeah. what happened to them um but I also feel like it was like a really stupid move on his part to like represent yourself in court when they've already tried to come after you so many times for like assisted yeah. suicides. I would say he, no money. yeah. Well, and I would say he probably um, put the nail on his own coffin at that point um, yeah. by doing that, because that is what got him in jail for, he got 25 years when he represented himself. It's a, that was a very interesting choice. I yeah. don't understand why he would choose to do that because his lawyer was the one that got him out of it. The last, like all the last times, so I don't know why this time he was like, oh, I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's an ego thing. A lot of them think that they're a lot smarter than they really are. Think they can use their good looks and charmer mm-hmm. brains. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he, I feel like he almost kind of was getting a big head potentially at this point. He was like almost like he was playing God. Yeah. You know, um, for these people, because who? I mean, to be there for a hundred and thirty people's last moments. Cause that's what he was all about was those last moments, like their eyes, like going in and taking pictures of like terminally ill patients, like specifically their eyes. Like it was like, almost like he had this obsession with like, I don't know. I just feel like he had such a God complex potentially. So would you consider him a murderer then? Um, no. I mean, these people consent. It's what they wanted. They consented. Yeah. They consented to it. Yeah. He was just giving them the tools to do it. Um, it sounds like really morbid, but at the same time, it's like you said, if these people were willing to do it and they knew obviously the outcome of the thing that they signed up for, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously, I, people died, and I would say it's weird to say like I don't understand why people would be like, "Oh, you murdered people!" Like these people signed up to do that. They were going to die anyway, too. They were terminally ill. I mean, these people had diseases that were destroying their bodies for them. And I think in their minds, this was this was their only defense, um, That the only thing that they had left that they could control. Like, almost a way for them to beat these diseases is, I bested you because I, I chose to end my own life first before you could do it for me. Yeah. That type situation and it sounds really fucked up but i mean you have to think about it if you're given a death sentence and you find out you know if you're like oh you go to the doctor and they're like you have a month to live what 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 would you do in that moment you know like you're not choosing to die it's being chosen for you and so i think it was their way of like just having one last ounce of control of something you know yeah And he took advantage of that and became obsessed with it. And I think he genuinely thought he was doing a good thing Yeah, in his own fucked up way. I think he thought he was helping these people. He thought he was doing a righteous thing, but they were still dying at the end of the day. I don't think he had intentions of coming across as malicious until he was like, well, I wanted to go to jail to prove like hypocrisy and stuff, but I don't ever think anything was like a malicious intent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What In his own you, fucked up way, he was helping them. Yeah. What do you think, Krista and Logan? Um, I don't know. It's hard because I feel like, yeah, you could say that he's a murderer, a serial killer, because how many of these people did actually came to him versus how many did he seek out vulnerable people where he just goes up? If I was in the hospital... And they say, you could potentially die in a month because you have cancer. And if someone comes to me and they say, hey, I could end your life now painlessly, or you can suffer for a month and I'm vulnerable and they're talking me into it, I feel like I'm going to say, yeah, just kill me. Because why would I want to live and why would I wait around and just keep having memories with my family or sitting in the hospital and be miserable for a month? Or you can just die now. And I'd be like, yeah, do it. For sure. Yeah. And I'm sure he was pitching it as a quick painless process of yeah. it's just this injection of this and this and then and then it's gone and then you're done and then it's it's painless. I think his first method was 
in a sense painless but when you went to carbon monoxide like logan was saying i mean that's just going to be you know five or ten minutes of you basically choking before you die yeah yeah well my thing with like what krista was saying is like but what if you know you they say you have oh you have a month to live and what if you could live longer than that what if like mm-hmm. that's not it for you and, then, and not only that but like you know you take away the memories that you could have had with your family and it's like what if your family wanted those memories with you what if they wanted yeah. that last month to spend time with you to like get to say goodbye to you and you you made that choice for them basically i mean he might have paid families to be like hey you know i'll give you x if you let me do this type of thing and almost like bribing them to make it think like okay maybe it is the right thing to do yeah 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 it's no yeah i i agree krista you know it's just and that's the shitty part is that we'll never know who how many of those people he approached himself how many approached him because those people are gone and we would only we would have only had his word you know um so yeah i mean Definitely, I think that is definitely like a good argument in the category of him being considered a serial killer. What do you think, Logan? Since this is like a medical kind of a uh, medical case, what do you say? Um, I, I, and you know, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent for like assisted suicide just because of the patient side of like, you know, if but the for me it's like it's. It's got to be one of those things where the patient chooses and not other people choosing for them. Like Chris has said, they're vulnerable. So I, you know, like how I feel like the way the doctor went about it was ethically wrong, and and I want to like through that I feel like that would be considered murder. Just the way he went about doing it and trying to bypass the law just to make a point of his research, quote unquote, that he was trying to gather this whole time in his whole lifetime. But I like, even now today, there's people, there's, uh, I think assisted suicide I know is a, a legal, is legal in Seattle. And, you know, and I just want to just think about all those providers and healthcare workers that not not necessarily try, try to persuade, but you know how many are there out there trying to persuade those kind of patients to end their life early, just to end their suffering. It's, for me, it's more about what the patient wants in the yeah. end, and how yeah. how they want to live about it, or how quick they want. So you think you would be you would be in favor of it if it was kind of like a contractual agreement? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Where, like you, when you have proof of their consent. Yeah, exactly. Where you're not yeah. trying to manipulate people's thoughts and feelings just to, exactly just to get a gain on something you're trying to do. Are you right. thinking yeah. like it should be okay if like it is a death sentence in a sense where it's like you know that there's no cure for what they have, or if it was something like well, you know, we see not, articles of people. It's not even that. It's like people like that I know there's people like who want to end their life because of that kind of situation but there are people out there who have terminal illness that want to live just live their life to the fullest until right. the end you know right and and you you getting that I can't really 
speak from experience, but you getting that information that day, it's obviously heartbreaking and stuff like that. And having a doctor like him just come in at that moment, trying to persuade you to make an easier decision isn't right. I don't. That's, yeah, that's exactly. Well, and doctors have what they call bedside manner. Well, some of them have a good bedside manner, yeah. where it's like yeah. when they speak to you, they're very, um, what's the term I'm looking for? Compassionate. Compassionate. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're very like. Um, you know, you know, and, and, and yeah. And, and to abuse that is it's, it's fucked, you know? And I, I don't yeah. know in the research that I did. Um, and like I said, I'm not sure if there is a way to know which ones abro- approached him versus which ones he approached, right, right. if he yeah. even approached any of them. Um, but it's a fucked up situation because it's like, who are we to say, that I, I go back and forth on it with the whole assisted suicide thing because yeah. who am I to tell a cancer patient who's been suffering and suffering and it's just like their body is just being destroyed or to, to be like, you need to continue to live. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if, if, if they want to go because they just don't have any fight left in them, it's too tiring to be on this earth anymore and they have the option to go, who am I to be like, don't take that option. It's wrong. You know, like, I don't know. It's a very I mean, for uh, me. For me, it's one of those things where it's like every shoe, every shoe fits everybody differently. So you can't just you can't just assume to try to fit in somebody else's shoes and know what they're going through, kind of situation. Yeah, like who? Yeah, like who am I to tell you how you feel? Yeah, or you know what you're gonna think. Um, yeah, it's it's a very controversial topic. Um, and like I said triggering potentially to some people. So I do apologize for not putting that trigger warning in the beginning again. And we will put it in the description of the episode. And I will put it on the posts um, on social media to let people know that it could be a triggering subject manner. Um, An interesting fact about Jack Kevorkian though, and his van that he used for some of these assisted suicides, um, Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures actually bought the van for $32,500 and it is now in his Las Vegas um, museum and you can go and see it. I want to go so bad. Yeah, I wouldn't mind looking at the van just for medical. <laughs> it is a um, an old school Volkswagen van, which I love. You guys know, but I love Volkswagens. I drive a Blueberry, a Volkswagen Golf. Um, and <laughs> like, so I would love to see it. Um, I just want to go to his museum so bad. But if you watch um, the Ghost Adventures episode where they go in the museum, they do the lockdown in the museum. They, they show you it in that episode. They go to it. Um, and you're like, how the hell do they get a whole ass car inside of this building? And I still don't understand yeah. um, how they did it. It's Legos. They broke it down and then built it back up. They probably did. <laughs> they probably did do some kind of like, um, took the fucking wheels off it or something. I don't know. But, um, yeah. But it has like the machine in it and stuff that he used, the chair. Uh, yeah, I believe it is still um, as it was when he left it. I mean, I can only imagine that it's a hot spot just because of the fact that lives were lost in that van, but I don't think it would be any malicious, like, yeah. hostile, like, ghosts. Well, and if you buy into 
um, the religious belief that if you commit suicide, your soul, you're, you're stuck here. You don't get to move on to where, whatever is after this. Purgatory. Yeah. Um, because it is a, um, disgraceful, I guess, thing to do. It's it is like a, a it's a sin. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming there would be a lot of spirit activity around the yeah. van and that room that it's in. Um, but yeah, that's Dr. Death Jack Kevorkian. <laughs> I like that. That was a good one. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. I, I've been wanting to do him for a hot minute, but I told Jules I didn't know what to what to classify this as. Yeah. You know, like a hard one. Yeah. I would say more it's like a case study more than anything else. I wouldn't consider it like a murder. Yeah, yeah. But and it's, a, it's a good one. It's like a really it's, good it's one. so it's, interesting. It's hard because like he went to jail for being a murderer, but at the same time, like if you when you compare him to like the Zodiac killer who actually lit is like a brutal murderer, like they're two very different things. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It makes it, makes it a, a hard category to fall in because, yeah. Any link that I could make with you know, Jules was like, uh, let's do killers that have like a calling card or like a token of some sort, um, that represents like what they're all about. Um, I chose him because of his van, you know, his, this death van basically. Um, and I, every time I see one now, that's what I'm going to think is him. And, um, yeah, I mean, I know it's not your conventional, like leave a playing card or something behind on the body, but yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Good job, Amber. Thank you. Good job. Um, okay. So, um, anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap this up? I just want to say, I hope everybody's still, you know, staying safe and enjoying the best time that we can. So, yeah, Yeah, I agree. Wear your masks. If you're out and about wash your hands. um, Yeah. Wash, continue to wash your hands and just just be be courteous to others, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and wear the masks, not just for you, but for other people, you know, like these grocery store workers, people that you see every single day. They have, they're around so many people throughout the day and just wear a mask. Just don't be dick. Yep. Um, and yeah, stay safe. And um, next week, if Allie is feeling better um, with her um, wisdoms and stuff, you and her could potentially go at them and do your topics that you researched forever ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kristen and Logan will probably go after that. If you guys are down. Cool. Down. Down. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. As always, um, if you're on Apple, um, rate, review, and subscribe while you're there. Uh, we're on social medias, Twitter at Unknown Podcast, and then Instagram, uh, just podcast from the unknown. Hit us up. Let us know what you want to hear from us. Let us know if Jules and I fucked anything up tonight, if we got some dates wrong or names wrong or <laughs> Feel free to correct us because it is very possible. And um, like I said, I apologize for not putting a trigger warning in, but we will get that in the description and everything. But thank you guys for listening and we will see you next time. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.